Welcome to episode two of In Search Of. Today's guest is uh, CEO and founder of Stronger You Nutrition, Mike Dola. Um, I'm sure plenty of you are familiar with Stronger You. Uh, those of you who are not, uh, it's the company I work for. So I've chosen Mike as my first guest um, because he's uh, been a, a great force in the industry. Um, you know, his influence convinced me to... Uh, forgo my solo practice and um, come on board to work for someone else, which I never thought I would do. Um, but he really has created a great community. It's given me much more purpose to be part of a greater whole. Uh, it's the best job I've ever had, including working for myself. Um, and to be honest, Mike's become much more than a boss. He's become a close friend. I mean, we talk daily. Um, he's someone I would turn to um, for advice in anything, really. Uh, he's just a, a phenomenal human being. He's become extremely successful, um, still also extremely humble. Uh, the... Um, you know, guy that helps him kind of keep this thing afloat is his best friend from childhood, Michael Lessie. Um, it's just, he's just got a great story. Uh, so I want to talk to him and I want you guys to learn a little bit more about him. Here it is, In Search of Mike Dola. Right, guys, welcome to the um, first episode of the new uh, podcast I'm, I'm putting together here, uh, In Search Of. So, um, basically, my first guest I've chosen today is uh, Mike Dola um, for a variety of reasons, but uh, mostly because this whole series is going to be about um, kind of people who I, I think have defined success in a way that's that's not really necessarily monetary or or even business, it's just people that have kind of achieved um, something that that I think is worthwhile and that provides benefit to the world. So, um, Mike is is kind of a guy I think of as like an aspirational character. I, I hate the term inspirational because it seems cheesy, but like um, you know, Mike's a guy that I think a lot of people would want to be like. He, he's well liked. He's nice. He's been successful, um, but he there, there's there's no. Um, maliciousness there's none of the cutthroat things you usually see in business so to start off just to give a kind of background how i'm going to do with every guest is how we kind of first got to know each other is we were at a seminar um and at the time mike's business was really growing um he was you know, meeting a lot of people in the industry and and we had been at a, a, a seminar i guess maybe a week or two before and hadn't talked to everybody he, he recognized me and he came over and said hey were you at this seminar now for those of you not familiar with the fitness industry this is a very odd thing for someone to do because outside of like strength and conditioning coaches and, and this kind of other side of the industry the fitness part of it is very um insular uh kind of introverted and it was something i was new to but everyone basically had their noses buried in a computer or a phone and didn't actually talk to people. So Mike coming up and saying hi was a very odd experience. And honestly, kind of what I think he can attribute a lot of the success to in the industry. So um, start off, Mike, will you just give kind of people a, a little background, um, a quick synopsis of what Stronger You is and, and what you do? Uh, yeah, my name is Mike Dola. I'm the CEO, founder of Stronger You Nutrition. Uh, it's an online nutrition company that services people all around the world from all walks of life. Uh, our goal is to just make people 
feel a little better, help them with their goals and cut the BS out of nutrition. Uh, I got into the industry because I really just wanted to help a bunch of people. I liked the fitness industry and uh, early failure in my fitness career led me to the online space. I tried to do uh, a small training garage, didn't really work out. And I leveraged uh, and pivoted over to the online nutrition space because I thought that was uh, a, a place where I could really help a lot more people. There was a lot more access to doing what I think people needed to do. You had a, a kind of an experience uh, in, I guess, like the internet, really, because that's one of the things we talked about is you spent a lot of time kind of in these chat rooms, these things that I didn't really know much about. Yeah, man, I was, it's, I swear, man, it's crazy. Like I was practicing for this job for like 15 years. I lived on message boards and chat rooms, talking to strangers about everything from car stuff, movie stuff, fitness stuff, everything. So I was so comfortable and so used to talking to people and communicating via the internet for, it had to be 15 years or so. Which is funny because, you know, you say that communicating <laughs> via the internet, um, that's really a, a relatively new skill set, uh, something that's kind of developed because I know for me, it's it's um, actually, if you look at a lot of people, it's it's pretty difficult. Um, yeah. Some people are worse than others. Uh, but kind of understanding that balance of, of hey, I want to be myself, but also um, things get out of hand quickly on the internet and, and, how, and kind of balancing that. Dude, there's no, the thing with the internet is you don't know really who you're talking to and people really aren't polite on the internet. And that's what I think is really cool about our, our community at Stronger You on Facebook. Everybody's cool as hell. But if you go onto some rest, random message board where you don't have to use your real name or share your real pictures, people are just a-holes for lack of a better word. It's really rough out there. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean shoot, even in, in our industry, there's people that kind of built a reputation on being that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me that people can talk to people like that over the internet because they know they're not in the same room with them. Things would be completely different if you were in the same room with someone. Yeah. I mean, and not, you know, just, just in the fact that, that how you talk to people and I know I was guilty of it at, at times. I mean, there was, you know, times around, jeez, oh, around the a different election and, and people got heated <laughs> and, and it would easily turn personal. Now, I mean, you know, now I just, I just keep all that, that off. Because a, it it's really useless. <laughs> I mean, it's it not is. changing anyone's mind. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm still sarcastic here and there, but I'm not gonna be a complete jerk to people. Yeah, it's it's taking that personal thing. So yeah, um, what do you think drove you to want to get into fitness and nutrition, dude? I, I it had to be a combination of like not really being happy with my job at the time. Uh, just wanting to like make people a little bit better and work in an industry that I thought would be fun. Everybody wants to enjoy work. And I knew it was probably a difficult, you know, request to myself to try to make that happen. But I tried to give it a shot. And so far, so good. What when did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? I think it was around 2010 ish is when uh, my buddy Greg Light was helping me uh, via the Internet, who I met on the Internet. Um piece together a garage gym and I was just working out myself and then some friends would come by and I would help them out and I'm like, holy crap, man, this is really fun. I wonder if I could make this a thing. And I, I had every idea in my head from one-on-one -on -one personal training to group style training to 
buying a box truck and driving to people's houses and training them. But I still had to try to make this work around my full-time job. And that was the hard part. When you don't have money saved up and things aren't exactly easy financially, you can't just go and quit your job and try to do those things. So I had to figure out a way to do both at the same time for at least a little while. Now, were you just really into working out? Uh, yes and no. Like I wasn't like one of those like muscle head dudes that just lived and breathed fitness stuff, but it was a hobby of mine. It was a, a deep interest. How about growing up? Did you, you play sports? Yeah, I, I was very into sports. I didn't play like, you know, high school or anything. I always make the joke that I was actually too good to play high school basketball and they wanted to give the other kids a chance. Um, you know, we, me and all our good friends, we used to play rec recreationally and stuff. So I was a really athletic kid, but I was a small kid. I think I graduated high school at like 145 pounds. So, so growing up, was nutrition something that your, your parents were into? Dude, no, man. I, I was that kid that was eating like hot dogs, tater tots, and Kool-Aid. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. My mother fed me well, but we ate a lot of snacks. I was lucky because I was extremely active, so I could burn a lot of calories, but a lot of other kids in that situation wouldn't have been so lucky. Now, do you think that, that any of this stuff sparked at that time? I mean, is there any of that that, that maybe led to where you are now? Honestly, I think it was, it was a lot later in life. I don't know if any of that really led to it. All it did was help me prove to people that Kool-Aid isn't going to kill you if you drink it. It's not that big of a deal. So what do you think the driving factor for that was? I mean, like where, because obviously, and, and this is kind of what my, what this whole thing is, is really about is kind of digging about digging into the why, um, you know, there's plenty of podcasts where you can talk to successful people and find out the hacks they did or whatever right. bullshit, you know, people say, but, but I'm more interested in like wh why, like what, what made you, because there's a drive in you that, that right. still is, is very, very, I mean, it, it's not dying at all. Um, so there's so something deeper. You. I can tell you exactly what it is. It was spending so much time on the internet and being surrounded by BS and knowing I had an answer to it. When I saw people just talking about all this nutrition stuff and they had no clue what was going on, they had no self-awareness of what they were really doing, and I'm sitting here like, I know what they need to do. I know how to talk to people. I know how to figure things out. I know how to get them to do things they don't really want to do in the right conditions. So I felt like I needed to get that shit out there. So it was more of a a kind of desire to to kind of I mean this is a little bit melodramatic, but to kind of write injustice, like to kind of help where you saw that people were being hurt. Right. It's like you're like a superhero of like people's feelings, like. These people are struggling for years and years and years. Like the statistics on dieting are insane. And I'm sitting here with like ammo in my pocket and I'm not going to do anything about it. Like that's, that's why I tell people to talk about their stuff. Like if you think you can help someone or make someone better in any way and you're not sharing that, you're doing a disservice to, to the world. So what, what have you struggled with? To my own, I mean, you know, it's like my own goals. I would love to be super muscular, jacked and ripped, but I always go back and forth because there's a certain, there's a certain person. You have to be a certain person to line up with a particular goal. 
And I don't know if I'm that person because I have so many other things I'm interested in that it's not as important to me to be big and jacked as it is to live a different type of life. And this is what I tell a lot of our clients when they want to, you know, they want to be super lean and muscular, but they just won't do those things. And that's personally what I struggle with. I don't really care enough to get the goal I really want. And that's something I, I've accepted, but I can still make strides towards it. I just won't get that ultimate goal. Now, how about leading up to this? Like, I mean, what, what were your struggles as a kid? Like what were your, your hard, you know, we all had, whether it be fitting in or, um, you know, or, or like, you know, for a lot of our clients, obviously it's a, a, a body issues or things like that. What was it that, that you, you struggled with at that time? Dude, I was the most shy person in the world. Uh, it's hard for people to see that now, but when I was a little kid, like I was attached to my mom's hip. Like we would go to her friend's house. I wouldn't interact with anybody. I would go to school. I remember, I remember going on the school bus, like crying, like, oh my God, I got to be around people. Even in high school, I was, I had my little group of friends, but I wasn't outspoken. I didn't really joke around like I do now. I didn't put myself out there. I just kind of like blended in. So that's like what, why I think maybe, and now we're getting like super deep, which is, which is a good thing. Why I was so good at the internet, because it was a place that I could talk to people without feeling like everyone was just judging me. That's really interesting. So this same kind of protection that lets people be assholes was also the thing that allowed you to kind of be the person that you needed to be. Right. I could go there and everything I probably wanted to say to people in person and in, in groups, I could say to people there without having that like one-on-one -on -one judgment. And I mean, even now we feel it like if I go to present somewhere and I'm talking to 50 people, I'm like, oh man, but I could get on Facebook live and I could talk to 120 and I feel like nobody's even watching mm -hmm. or I can post to our, our Facebook group and there's almost 14,000 people in there. I'm talking to 14,000 people could view what I'm saying and I don't even care. But the thought when I was younger to talk to five people, like, holy crap, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to sit here and shut up. <clears throat> so kind of in that line, this is, this is actually my mom, my mom, uh, asked through this question and she, and I'm going to actually add, ask this of every guest cause I think it's so good. Um, so with what you did growing up, were you, were you trying to please your parents or trying to piss them off more? I, I would say neither. I was just the normal, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't do anything really crazy. Um, my mom was really, uh, she was the type of parent that was like, just let me know where you are. Like, I know you're smart enough not to get into stupid stuff. Just let me know where you are. So I didn't really uh, try to piss them off. I didn't really try to make anybody happy. I was just kind of like doing my thing. Now, how do you think that's transferred over into your adult life? Oh, man. Um, maybe. Uh, I guess I would say I'm, I'm relatively the same person. I don't really... I don't really try to ruffle feathers. I don't really go out. I mean, I do try to go out of my way to please, you know, my clients and stuff, but I do understand that you can't make everybody happy every single day. Uh, so maybe. 
Yeah. And I think there's a difference to be noted that trying to please your clients from a customer service standpoint versus uh, a need for acceptance. Yeah. You know, that's in, in, you know, out in the wild, like random people, I don't care what they think of me. You know, I'm, I'm concerned with, you know, what I say, how it's going to be received and things like that. But I'm not going to let that determine whether I say something or not. I'm not, you know, as long as I'm not ruffling feathers, I don't care what people think. Have you always been like that? Um, no, man. I I used to really care what people think. Like even when I first started this this job, I almost didn't do it because a lot of people close to me convinced me I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I was a shithead and I probably shouldn't even try. So I almost didn't do it because I was so worried what everyone would think. And it, dude, it was, it was hard, man. I'm putting stuff out there and I'm like, oh man, this guy I'm really good friends with or this girl I'm friends with, they're going to think I'm just this internet idiot. And it almost stopped me from doing it. It's crazy. Yeah, if it's, we really yeah. think about the things that oh, could man. have stopped us. It's nothing that I think about it every day. Like every little thing you do leads, led you to exactly where you are today. If like. If you tie your shoe differently, your life is different. It changes the time of everything. It's it's really kind of crazy to think about. So this is one of the things I, I think interesting because um, I don't see you as a money-driven person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a metric, obviously, that is important when you're in business because it's kind of like we use certain data to assess whether or not clients are doing well for fat loss. Money right. is a real thing. And I think there's an avoidance of always talking about it because it's this taboo subject. But what yeah. is your relationship with money? Because here's here's why I ask this. You used to work <laughs> in banking. Yep. And and I, I'm not even talking about it as an abstract thing. I'm thinking as a literal there's some kind of thing that, that, that made you think about money. What was that? I, I think of money like it's weird because when you don't have any, you want a lot of it. And then once you get it, you realize that it's, it's important to a sense to provide a life that you want to live and security and retirement and things like that and helping other people. But it's not going to make you happier. And this is something I see everywhere. Everyone is chasing money. Everybody thinks if they make a certain amount, they're going to be happier. But I think there's like studies out there that show above $70,000 a year, you're not any more happier due to money. And it's just like, for me, it's just like, it's this thing that makes me worry about bills less. I don't need a bunch of stuff. I just like to experience stuff. And one of the coolest things about like the success of the business is that it allows us to take care of other people. And this is why I don't understand why these like sports players will have a good, good relationship with a team making $20 million a year, but they'll go to another team for $23 million. I'm like, what at that point, what is that worth? Right. Why bother? But it's different people, I guess. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I think we spend, um, Again, that Again. kind of that idea of the fact that that either it's everything or nothing. Like there has to be this yep. really dichotomous relationship with with money. When, like you said, it's once you get to, and I think that's seventy thousand household. 
I don't think that counts in New York because I think that's yeah, no, poverty. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> it it really is, and and I and that's one of the big reasons I, I want to do this podcast because I, I, like I said, I, I'm determining success not on a monetary, but there, there's a certain level of monetary, you know, uh, sustainability. I think that right. that we do need. Like you said, I was like, I love the fact to go out to dinner and not think about it. Like if it's, you know, right. whatever, it's not, I'm not like, uh Oh, when, you know, when am I getting paid? Like, can I afford this? You know, that's a nice right. like feeling. The cell phone bill comes and you're like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't make this payment this, this month. Yeah. Like that would have happened in the past. Sure. That's yeah. the thing you don't have to stress about. And that's, it's, there's something really cool about that. And, and, you know, I, you know, I think the other thing is is that we once there becomes, especially with a business, there also becomes added stressors with added money. Um, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, money, you, no problems. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have now fifty people to worry about. Yeah. Um, you there's obviously a bigger spotlight on you when it comes to, I mean, just you know, tax people and like labor people it's just everything all of a sudden it's you know there's those things i think a lot of people um and, and we live in our industry there's this so again those of you who aren't familiar with the fitness industry there's there's like a whole contingent of guys that take pictures in their driveway with their lamborghini and tell other people that they can make all this money by just doing these things it's really fucking gross um it's so it pisses me off man it pisses me off i it just it attracts like these people that think that they're gonna get a million bucks or in this industry for some reason six figures is like the magic number when you get that you're gonna want more and then you're gonna get more and then you're gonna want more it so it's like the fat loss thing man if you're trying to get lean to just make yourself happy getting rich is not gonna make you happy yeah you have to create a life for yourself that brings you that happiness money can help money can support it but nobody looks at their no person with money looks at their bank account and just sits there like becoming happier it just doesn't work like that well you know i i had a conversation with uh my cousin when he he's, a, he's an attorney and um he ended up going to work in-house counsel for a company super you know way happier and it was, you know, you look around at these law firms and you see guys chasing to partner and they finally get to partner and they're divorced and they're at the office at 10 o'clock at night. And basically they get to that point where it's like, okay, what do you do now? You go home and like what, fill your bathtub up with cash and roll around in it? Or I mean, what, what is, you, you, right. you just pissed away 20 years of your life and you're like, okay, wow, that, that nothing changed. Now I'm, I just missed out on, you know, the years of 22 to 42 Right. It's, and I'm the same guy. It's not, worth it. it's not worth it. And that's like, like we could make some moves on the back end that would put more money in my pocket, but I'd have to work a lot more. Yeah. There's days where dude, like if I want to just take a few hours and just do whatever the hell I want to do, I can do that because I know there's such good people around us that will make sure the ship is afloat. And like, I, I couldn't even imagine like if, <clears throat> if someone was like, Hey, um, I'm going to give you this much money for your business. You have to retire and just sit on a boatload of cash. What the hell would I even do with myself? Right. But this is, this is what I want to do. A hobby turned into a career. How lucky am I? Yeah. It's a weird time in the world right now that that can, that can happen. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, it, it's we make fun of the the laptop uh, entrepreneur guys. You know, we're like, oh, I'm gonna go work. But in all honesty, I think this the the crazy realization I had was Sarah, my wife Sarah, took a business trip down to Charleston, and it was the first time I, you know, I'd, I'd opened my personal training studio, and I was pretty much resolved to the fact that I was not going to be able to be gone for more than two days for the next couple years. And I started working stronger. You and I went down, and I actually sat on the beach. Now sitting on the beach is pretty boring, so <laughs> yeah. I just worked, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, this is real." There's, and this is where it's it's funny because when I see those guys trying to sell the laptop lifestyle and like you can you can build your business on the internet and make this much money, I'm like, dude, there's like there's like twenty people doing it. It's <laughs> This is not a thing really, but we are in a time where we can do some crazy things due to technology, but it's just not common. No. And I, and I think too, is we love, we're Americans. We love a get rich quick scheme. You know, we love it to happen easy. And, you know, I think with you, like you said, yeah, it's stronger. You what? Three and a half years old now. Yeah. And, uh, you and I, when we met, started talking and realized that we've been showing up at the same seminars for five or six years, you know, right? Uh, you said you've been on the internet for 15 years talking to people, building a network. I mean, at the end of the day, you that's build it, a big man. enough network. That's something to capitalize on. And that's what I, cause I, I love giving advice to people in the industry. Like I, if I can help out, I I'm, I'm satisfied. And mm-hmm. A lot of them are like, well, what do I do? I started my business. Now, how do I get clients? I'm like, dude, like everyone sees what we did when we started. Like as soon as I started, it blew up because of all the stuff I did prior. So if you start your business now and you want to be successful now, you might you might not be the person that can be successful yet because you didn't build the networks or even learn the shit you need to know. Yeah. But, that's the, the other thing. The, People come like out of school and they expect that they're going to get handed this. Right. And yeah. our, and our CEO, Michael Essie says, he's like, dude, everyone looks at this and they think like, Oh, overnight success. Like, no man. He, and he says overnight success, like 10 years in the making. Yeah. It's one of my favorites is a uh, good, I'm actually going to have him on here, but a good friend of mine that I've known for 20 years, a uh, super successful restaurateur, bar owner here in New York and, uh, and has restaurants now in multiple cities. And he's, everyone's like, you know, he just he got lucky. He's an overnight success. I was like, oh, I've yeah. been watching this guy fail for 20 <laughs> years and just grind. And every time he got knocked down, he got up. I mean, I remember when he came to New York to bartend, he said he went on 48 interviews before he got hired. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody sees that stuff. Nobody sees yeah. Mike Dola when he was, in his young thirties with a house full of roommates. Cause he didn't have enough money to pay the mortgage. Like that's the shit nobody sees. Does that now, drive you to not want to go back there? Do, so I think the drive, the thought of working in an office and having someone like hand me a paycheck for work. I don't really like to do is all the motivation I need for this. And then add on top of 50 something team members. Like I don't want anyone to ever have a shitty job again. Yeah. That's like, that's the motivation. And that's why I like freak out every day. Like we're slow one day and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, Oh my God. I start imagining all this stuff and I'm like, dude, we're in an industry and I think we are the best at what we do. There is nothing to be afraid of. We're making everything better every single day. We're good, man. 
But my motivation is not having a job I don't like because we spend as humans way too much time doing shit we don't really want to do. And that's really depressing when you think about it. It really is. I mean, we've, God, you just look at the people that really, there, you know, it's the golden handcuffs. You see, I see so many people making great money doing something oh, yeah. that they just despise. But they not necessarily know over, what they want to do. Yeah. Life yeah. is over. It's, there's not, it's, it's, I mean, it's depressing, man. We don't have that much time. No, no, we really no. don't. Um, and and I'm 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 hesitant to tell people like you know follow your bliss or any of that kind of shit because I just don't think that that's a viable strategy. But I think the beauty of the internet is that if you find something you want to do, do it on the side. Yep, that's what I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, you. I, I mean, you had what? You had like 300 clients while you were dude, still I had, working. I had 350 active when I quit my full time job. I probably had 700 ish in that year, and I balanced the two. Because I didn't know it was real. I didn't know I could quit and the next month wouldn't blow up in my face. Mm -hmm. That's why I balanced the two. So I had I had a number in my head. If I saved it, I would be out. And that wasn't the case because when I had that, I was like, no way, no way. It's <laughs> not, not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, you know, you could quit and you could always get another job again. And I'm like, that sounds miserable. Sure. <laughs> no way. And I think it's important too, though, because I remember um, you were talking about this before. Is that uh, Christy, your fiance, you had Christy, a conversation yeah, yeah. with yep. her, and she said something along the lines of like, "Hey, we'll make it work." Yeah, I think that's a huge factor that everyone misses out on. Is that little bit of support from someone you love makes it all so much easier. Dude, it's like it's an unbiased view on like the actual situation. She's like, all right, dude, you want to do this thing. You'll never know if you don't try it, but I'm here and I'll help if you fall flat on your face. And that's because we weren't together that long at that time. So holy really? shit, man, she's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's that, that's kind of how, you know, <laughs> someone oh, yeah. like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. cause like, I mean, my wife, we've been together for, um, a long time. Uh, sorry, Sarah. Mar I guess we've married 11 years now. Uh, 12 years. 12. Yeah, 12. It, after 10 until 15, it just doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, we've been through a lot of times where, you know, between uh, the recession, um, you know, times when I've transitioned careers, one of us is up, one's down. And, you know, it's just it's it's how, you know, we were, we were lucky in that, you know, kind of similar situation. Like we started off as like, all right, we're building our careers together. Yep. And uh it, you know, it's it but just knowing that support system's there. And I think so many people that are successful in so many realms that say, "Oh, it was easy. I did this." You know, your safety net was small safety net. But when someone's like, "Oh, it was easy. I did this." And they've got a, yep. you know, 200 million dollar trust fund, you're like, "Yeah." Eh. <laughs> soul soul post uh soul Orwell posted about this. I think he reposted an old post where it was someone that had like some success story in some magazine or website and it was like the dude got a fat check from his family to start. It's like, yeah, man, you could – the chances of failure are a lot less when you have something like that. For well, someone to start from nothing, that's the tough thing. Yeah, and, and you don't you don't have that same bravado as you do because right. what uh, people don't realize, again, the behavior, the why, people are much more likely to take risks when they know there's no real – risk to be taken it's right. easy 
And that's that's why it's it's funny in the industry that we're in when someone is like, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to start my online training business. I'm like, dude, your risk is like zero dollars. Exactly. You just say you're a coach and you're a coach in this field, which is, you know, it's it's easier to be an online coach than it is to get like it through like a barber school or something like to cut someone's hair. And you're from that field. Yeah. You, like the amount of work you have to do to do that is more than handling someone's health. That is crazy to me. Yeah. And maybe I'm a hypocrite because I got in that way. I, I got certified and just started doing it. But to see like we're in a we're in a time where there's there's never been so many good coaches, but there's never been so many bad coaches either. And you don't know who's who. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder, cause you know, my view is so myopic now. I mean, I'm just so in the industry and it's everyone I know is in the industry really. So I don't yeah. know if other industries are similar, but there, there, the low barrier of entry is both great and terrible Yeah, because you do draw people from other worlds that I think are very good at what they do because of their experience. Uh, it's such a and coaching is such a weird thing in that it's determined someone to be a good coach is not determined by just knowledge or just uh skill it's it's this weird combination of the two it's everything yeah um, like someone asked what well what's a how do you find a coach it's like it's a bunch of everything some people like a lot of our a lot of our members will hit me up really early into their stronger you journey and say Hey, I want to become a coach. What certification do I get? And I'm like, holy shit. Like, who are you? What did you do? Mm-hmm. Like I do because the way I look at it is like this. Do I is would this person trust their fitness and nutrition with someone that just learned what to do in four weeks, followed our program for four weeks, got certified. Now you can coach. No way. No way. You need to get deep into that stuff. Yeah, I mean, and again, this podcast is all about it, but it's like behavior. I mean, that's that's yeah. my just that's that's my interest, and and we see it just it's so it's such a, it's such a big driver in, in something like fat loss, and, and um, there's just so much deep deep issues that, that come with it. Oh yeah, it's man, it's it's funny because you do see new coaches getting into the industry. And they're like, my person won't listen to me. And I'm like, that's because you expected someone would pay you money and just do whatever the hell you said. It doesn't work like that ever. Yeah, there's great um, Ben House in, in his uh, one of his lectures says, um, you know, he's asking the crowd, like, how many of you people can be dictators? Yeah. You're like, no, none of them. And these are all very experienced, highly qualified coaches. Yep. He said, no, he's like, he's like, I can be, you know, Mike T. Nelson can be. Uh, um, and that's not necessarily a good thing, but people come to us because they want to be told what to do so we can tell them what to do. The problem comes down the road where, where something changes or something different happens. All of a sudden it becomes a lot harder to guide them. You know, sometimes being the guide is way better than, than being the dictator because, because all of a sudden guiding someone, you know, when you hit a snag is a lot easier. Um, you know, you have to be someone who can take the luxury of choice. And it's easy. If somebody comes to you and is like, Hey, I'm, here's my goal. I'll do whatever you say. That's, that's yeah. friggin' easy, man. That takes zero skill. But someone that is, you know, stress eating and has all these challenges and these events and just can't get it together. That's, that's the, what makes us fun, man. That's like, we're problem solvers mm-hmm. for people. 
Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think a great kind of on that line was I think someone asked you in a, a Facebook post or something was like, hey, I really want to work there. Like, my favorite, how many hours do coaches work? And you were like, like a billion. Yeah. Because like, like, to me, that question is like, if that's your question, you're in the wrong, because. Yeah. And maybe like, maybe context is important there. Maybe they just wanted to know if, you know, they could do it on the side, but I don't know. I mean, we get, anytime we put a job opening out there, we get slammed and the questions we get and the requests and like, these are things that you should ask when you've been working here for a year. Like, yeah. I'm like what, <laughs> what are you at? Like you want this job because you want to work from home and take care of your kid all day. Like that's not work. Yeah. That's not what we're doing. Well, you might work well, from home, but make no mistake. We are some of the hardest working people you will ever meet. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, I quantify it. And again, it's that, you know, there's days when it feels like work, but most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'll run out to go to jujitsu and I'll come in at 10 o'clock at night and get out of the shower and I'm answering text messages. Yeah. Like I tell my clients, I'm like, if I'm awake, I'll, I don't care about texting with you. Like this yeah. is what I love to do. Right. Um, and again, I think that's probably what made you successful in that is because you were the first person that told me, you know, <laughs> way before I started working for you, you were like, dude, just answer people's texts. Don't. Cause I was trying to follow this rule set that someone said where I can only talk to them once a week. And you're like, yeah, that's a good way to have someone fail after seven days. Of- I, man, I, I don't get it. I don't get that. <laughs> I understand this work-life balance bullshit, but if you're trying to make it like you're trying to build some awesome stuff, uh, like the best business ever, how the heck can you set limitations like that? I see it every day. These coaches are like, I'm not busy. Why can't I get clients? It's like, because the ones you have, don't like you. They don't like what you're doing. They're not going to tell anyone about you. <laughs> They're going to tell people about us. And I'm happy with that. I will always try to be the best in the industry at what we're doing. And to me, service-based, it's easy. So I think that leads into this. So so what is it that, that then drives you? I know you, you said before that that not working a job, what makes you want to be the best? Dude, I think we're, we're in like an interesting place where people, a lot of our members have been looking for something for so long and we have it. And knowing that we are responsible for how like healthy and happy and fit and just enjoy Like people can have such an enjoyable life because of us. Every single time I touch my phone or computer, we can help someone. And it sounds crazy because I was never this type of dude. I had no idea this was in me. Like I was I was not a selfish dude, but I didn't have enough – there wasn't enough me to, to give in the past. And now I'm like, holy shit, I can help so many people. Every Every single thing we do, every single thing we say makes someone better. It's like such a – to me, it's like a no-brainer. Like put that shit out there. And I always think if we don't do that, we're doing worse. And that, like, there's something about getting worse that scares the shit out of me. I never want to go backwards. Do you see this as like a compounding effect? Like as you started to help people, that's what drove you to help want to help more? Dude, I think it's some sort of addiction. I swear to God. I don't think there's anyone. I never met anyone as connected to their business as I am. It's crazy. 
I have to be like, I have to like lock my phone in another room because I will always pick it up because I know at any given moment, someone is trying to talk to me or, or needs something. And I'm, it, I don't want to make people wait. I've always been very urgent with things. Now moving, you know, kind of into other avenues, the toy drive. It, yeah. Th- that's something that, that kind of developed out of this as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of crazy. The first year we did it, Alessi and I went to Target and we filled up a cart. It was like 640 bucks or something. And I remember we were like, oh my God, like we have like, I don't know. 50 toys, 100 toys, whatever it was. And we donated them to Toys for Tots in Newburgh. And then the next year, we were like, all right, let's get the community involved. And I had everybody mail us toys here. And there was probably about 500 or so. And then this year, we filled the 12-foot uh, trailer with toys. There was over 1,000. It was distributed multiple places in the community. And it's just incredible to see that people who don't really know each other are Stronger You members just want to help out and they mailed toys like it's crazy to see the the giving nature and the generosity of people you hear all this crap about people or people are terrible these days this this and that people are actually really awesome if you let them show how awesome they are do you feel that that starts to push you then to want to do more of this is it is it this kind of positive reinforcement that drives you now as opposed to maybe at first the fear of yeah, falling I, behind? Yeah, it's it's I think I'm in an interesting place and I always kind of say this like you think um, like giving and being generous doesn't make you a good person. I think if you have the opportunity to give and be generous and you don't, that does make you a bad person. So in other words, it should just be expected that if you can do something nice, you do it. And we're in a, we're in like an interesting place because there are a lot of eyes on us now. There are, uh, there is a, not a responsibility, but like there's a, a way we can get more stuff out there for people, whether that's donations or food drives or secret Santa stuff, like whatever. I just want to keep making this shit awesome. And some of like my marketing ideas are generated based on uh, a twofold approach. If it can bring business in and if it can help someone else. And like I have an idea. I don't know if I could ever convince Krista of it. Like take like a hundred thousand dollar marketing budget, get in a van, drive across the country, buy people groceries and just market the hell out of what we're doing and just take care of people along the way. And instead of putting up a $100,000 billboard somewhere or ad space on the internet, we're getting our shit out there and taking care of people. I think that could be really cool, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's, you know, kind of what we talk about, like, like a conscious, you know, corporate behavior is, is like capitalism doesn't have to be, cutthroat you can you you can still make money and still be you know benevolent at the same time right i never i never did anyone wrong in this business i've had many people do it to me already (laughs) and i've never done anything like i just i try to play by the rules i try to be a good dude but 
I've had people steal my shit. I've had people poach clients. I've had people do some really dirty stuff that I'm like, man, the world is overweight and you're coming at me. You're trying to take my stuff. Like, what the hell? But you haven't let that change the way you do things. Hell no. No. I There's been thoughts in my head that I'm like, oh, maybe we're giving too much to the clients and maybe we're – Maybe we're teaching them so well they think they could do what we're doing and then they're just going to take our stuff and go run and try to start their own Stronger You. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not scared. I think we're the best. Come at me, steal my shit, try to take a couple clients. I'll serve ours better and they'll stay with us and they'll tell their friends about us, not you. Because we have the best team. We have the best service. We have the smartest coaches. We, have the, we are the most experienced coaches in the world. I don't think there's any team out there that worked this closely with this many people on these goals. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I don't think the, so. The sheer numbers, and that's what was interesting. You said, you know, when you when you finally quit, you're at you know probably 700 clients for that year. Yeah. Um, just for people referencing, that's about a hundred times more than 99 percent of people in the fitness <laughs> industry would would yeah. have. During the year, I mean, seriously, like if someone if someone was working with seventy clients in a year, that would be a, a pretty banner year for most people. Yeah, um, you know, especially if you're if you can keep them for longer than a, a three month period. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you personally define success? Dude, I think of it. It's interesting. I think of success as uh, doing what you want to do most of the time and doing very little of the things you don't want to do. I think if that's how someone can live a life, that means they are successful. I also think if you can help other people and make someone else's life happier, that's success. I don't think it's a money thing. Um, yeah, some people have their, these numbers in their head and they're like, well, if I have this, I'm successful. But you might be a terrible person that has money. And to me, that's not successful. Yeah, it's success isn't defined by a number. No. I think it's about the impact you leave on the world. And like in that case, like I'm like super fulfilled like this. I can't believe this is happening. So what would you want your, your kind of final impact to be? Oh man, I dude, I don't, I guess just like knowing that, like I always think in relationships or friendships or anything, if you leave the person better than you found them, you're good. And that like, we're doing that thousands and thousands and thousands of times people send us money and they become a better person every single time if they follow along and they don't even have to be perfect it's insane what we're doing and the surveys we're putting out where we're measuring like the actual changes not just like scale weight it's crazy to know that every single person that walks through our doors or the internet doors is going to be left a better person in some way they may not have this ultimate fat loss success, but they're going to probably just through osmosis in our group are going to be the smartest people in the room around nutrition almost everywhere they go. And that's stuff they can take with them for the rest of their life. Okay. How are we not worth, how is this not worth it or a life changing like decision to sign up? It's a no brainer to me. And I think that's a, that's a pretty, pretty strong legacy um again you know people like you know you think back on on your obituary or what, what it's going to say yeah and uh you know i think probably the best thing that that it could really say is like you know made people better 
Like, right? Yeah. It's like that's all like that's all you want to do, really. It's it makes if you can make someone better, like holy shit. That's why like it's weird. Like like I joke like with Krista, we'll be out. Someone will recognize me and I'll be like, oh, Krista, I'm a celebrity. And like I just mess with her. Uh-huh. Trust me. I don't really think that. <laughs> but people are like, you changed my life. Like you get it. You see that shit every single day. Yeah. We can open up a thousand messages where someone's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. I'd probably be dead if I wasn't for you. Like, holy shit. Well, I think that's the unique thing for me is that at no point do I become callous to it? Every time I open up my emails, I'm like, dude, I yeah. don't think they realize how, like when someone's like, I lost <laughs> yeah. 20 pounds. I'm like, do you realize what an achievement that is in this culture? Yeah. Like this is insanity. And it's yep. every single day, every day. Like we could go into that group and I'm blown away, especially this time of year, December. And people yeah. are doing this. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. So, now we're going to kind of, we're going to close it up. I'm so, this is, you're my first guest. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm stealing this it is an old like question form, but, uh, one of my favorite interview shows ever was, uh, in, inside the actor's studio. And, uh, he had used this, this great list of questions and, and it's kind of an old list from like, actually they think Proust was the first person who did it. And like, so it's like, uh, like from the 1800s, but it's, um, it's just kind of a, a modified list that kind of tells you how people think. So, um, 10 questions. First one, what is your favorite word? Shit. I say it all the time. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Can't. Nice. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, knowing people are interested in what I have to say, it drives me to put more stuff out there. What turns you off? Laziness. What is your favorite curse word? Shit. <laughs> what noise or sound do you love? Uh, the the sound of a basketball going through a hoop. All net. Very it's one specific. of the best sounds in the world. What noise or sound do you hate? Crying babies on a plane, specifically. <laughs> oh, God, that flight over <laughs> Sedona. <laughs> Screaming babies. Um what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think maybe photography. I I really like taking nice pictures. I don't know if I'm any good and I might, you know, depend on Instagram filters a little bit too much, but I really like taking nice pictures. Now, is that something you ever thought maybe per, uh, pursuing a little bit further? I, I actually have. Um, I have some decent cameras and equipment. Uh, I do want to take some classes and stuff. I don't know if I'd ever sell anything, but I would definitely take some stuff and edit and put it out there. Very cool. What profession um, other than yours would you not like? Oh, man. Oh, God. I actually thought of this the other day, and I, I forgot it. I think anything that includes like manual labor in the heat is what I <laughs> wouldn't want to do. <laughs> All right, and the last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to have God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, I don't know. Maybe something like, thanks for keeping people out of here longer. You let people stay on earth a little longer. 
That's pretty. That's emo. deep. <laughs> You're going to make me all emo, dude. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I think that's a good thing to kind of close off on is like yeah. we talk about fat loss and like confidence, but like it's at the end deep. of the day, there's a lot of people that are going to be alive a little bit longer because of the work dude, they're doing. There's like a thousand I could think of. Like it's, it's crazy. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's a driver that you can't put a price on. No, dude. Like abs are cool. Like being stronger is cool, but being alive longer, like that's, that's the shit that matters. All right. Good work. We got your email. I was hoping to get there at some point. (laughs) (laughs) um so again uh just just uh thank you mike for being my first guest um it was somewhat selfish of me uh because you know just me personally you know this 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 job has been life-changing for me um even though i was doing this as a career and I was doing it and it's it, again, it's, it's nothing financial, but there was something about the transition when I came on board and, and the ability to help more people and, and to really feel it, being a part of something bigger, I think is something that, especially in this, this time of internet um, entrepreneurship that I think so many people ignore, they, they think it's so good to be on your own and do all this and you're supposed to be this or that, but being something, a part of something bigger is often at times so much more rewarding um so you know along with all our members i personally thank you because this is this is um i've never had satisfaction like this in my life you know i've worked in god knows how many jobs and multiple (laughs) careers um done you know people i I talk to my clients about this all the time about goal setting i achieved all the goals in my careers that i kept setting up and nothing led to that that personal satisfaction and now i don't have any i mean i have goals personal goals but i don't have any real goals it's the day to day, like my day, my work is now what is, is, brings me satisfaction. And that's, that's a pretty amazing thing. Dude, I love it, man. Uh, I'm so happy to have you on the team. I think you're an incredible dude and you, it's like, if we could help you help more people, that's dude, that's so cool. Yeah. It's a, um, again, it's a great legacy to leave. So thank you again, Mike, my first guest. This is, uh, the, my new podcast in search of, Dude, thank you very much. All right, buddy. Talk to you later.